Hi, Celtics Pride listeners. This is Adam Motenko. When we recorded this episode, I made an error, and so the volume levels are a little bit off between Josh, Mike, and myself. Try listening. See if you can take it. If you can't, I totally understand. This was a fun one to record, so I wanted to make sure we brought it to you. In order to become the alpha, one must best the alpha. <laughs> Am I the alpha in this situation? Do you think you're better than me? You think you're better than me? And my good friend, Mike Minkoff. I see the uh, chest puffing has already begun now that the Celtics have claimed the number two seed in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, why wait? Today on the podcast, we are going to review the fact that the Celtics are the number two seed. The season is over. We're going to revisit some preseason predictions and see how right or wrong we all were. We're also going to revisit, because it's the end of the year, the bets that we've made this year, uh, some of which are for this year, some of which go on further. But for those, I think we have some sense of whether they were good bets or not. Um, we'll ask a question of who was better on the Celtics team-wide, which I think is interesting. And if you're following Mike Minkoff on Twitter, you know what this question is. And if we have time, we're going to get to some playoff predictions do a speed round going through the playoffs who is going to win who is going to lose what's it going to look like I'm sure we're going to be wrong on all of it but let's start with the Celtics playing the winner of Cleveland versus Brooklyn on Tuesday night uh the Seas will play the winner on Sunday in the first round do you guys who do you guys think is going to win this game Cleveland whoa <laughs> who do I I really I, I I want Cleveland to win, not not for matchup purposes, for for delicious irony purposes, for podcasting um, purposes, for for just like there's no greater show Schoden Freud. How do you pr- pronounce yeah, that? <laughs> Schoden Freud uh, in in my Celtics universe than the Schoden Freud derived from a Kyrie Irving team not living up to its potential. Um, so, so for that reason only, I'm, I would want the, want Cleveland to win, but I do think the Nets will win. Yeah. I think there is no way the Nets lose this game. They're totally winning this game, Josh. Josh, I, I, I think we should put a bet on this. No, I'm, I'm half joking. Adam. Okay. I think it's, uh, because no one knows who's going to win this game. <laughs> Either of you know what the, uh, the Vegas odds are for this? No, I only bet with you. You yeah, fools. I know. It's safer that way. I don't break kneecaps. Yeah. Um, so, Mike, uh, you've got this question about the, the choice that the Celtics made. They played all their guys, their, their healthy guys, in the last game against Memphis, where Memphis was playing their, their third unit, and they won that game. They got the number two seed. Can you frame this question about the choice they made? Yeah. So, basically, very loosely, um, going into the game, the Celtics knew that the Bucks were going to be sitting all of their players. Uh, so the Bucks were effectively seeding their game to Cleveland um, from, you know, b- 
before opening tip, Cleveland ended up blowing out the Bucks. I think that game was even decided before the Celtics uh, Memphis game began. So yeah, then it was. came. So so the Celtics then were in a situation where if they won the game, they were going to take the number two seed, which gave them, which meant that they're in the situation they are now. They're going to beat. They're going to play against uh, the winner of the Cleveland um, versus Brooklyn game on Tuesday, and odds are that the the Nets are favored in that game. The alternative would be if the Celtics lost and Philly won and Philly was playing against Detroit, then the Nets would end up in the, or the Celtics would end up in the four seed against Toronto. Um, so the choice effectively boiled down to should the Celtics just play their players, try to win the game with the quote unquote risk of facing uh, of ending up in a first round series against Brooklyn, or should they like Milwaukee uh, kind of try to punt the game so that they lose and end up more likely than not in a showdown against Toronto in the four seed. So that was the choice. And yeah. clearly they made the choice to try to win. And so the question for you two is, do you think the C's made the wrong choice? Josh? No, I don't think I don't. Toronto is a really good matchup for us, you know, from their perspective. I think that they have the same kind of length that we have, if not more. And defensively, they're just like us in that they switch everything and they have the size and quickness to do so. Um, I think they've got more playoff experience than we do potentially on their roster. And so not that I'm afraid of them or would want to avoid anyone specifically because, you know, hiding under this decision is do we do we finagle the standings by tanking and creating that kind of mentality at this stage of the season? Or do we play our best basketball and become second in the East and whoever we play is who we play, whether it's Brooklyn or Cleveland. And to me, like that's the, that's the main decision. Uh, it's not about whether we want to try to avoid Brooklyn or not. I think that the fact that we're playing Brooklyn is really good for our team of youngsters, you know, and I think that in order to, for Tatum, to become that alpha, you know, he's got to beat that alpha. And that, you know, Durant is a guy who's already said that, um, you know, it's kind of clear, at least from that Draymond Green podcast, that the the uh, baton is kind of being passed, at least from Durant's perspective, to another guy similar to him, um, you know, long scorer like Tatum. And so Tatum, I think, is – He's got to beat him in the playoffs. And if, you, if you're going to win a championship, you've got to go through a bunch of good teams. And if the goal is actually winning a championship, you're not worried about who you play in the first round. You're just not. What do you think, Adam? Uh, because the other option was Toronto, I think they made the right choice. I, I am slightly less afraid of Toronto than I am of Brooklyn. If they had the option to play Chicago or Cleveland, like if Brooklyn was in the number nine slot and we knew that they were going to be the number eight seed at best and we, we could avoid them at number two, then I would have been happy to play Cleveland, Atlanta, Charlotte, or Chicago. There was, I think there's a, a tier that they are in that is below the Brooklyn and Toronto. Um, and and I, I am more afraid of Brooklyn. We'll get to this in the next question, but I do think they made the right choice given their options. Yeah, I... I think this was a no-brainer decision, um, and they made the right one uh, for the reasons Josh said. You don't even know if Brooklyn's going to end up winning the game, and you 
will feel really dumb if you try to avoid Brooklyn and then Cleveland wins this game. And that's a matchup you probably feel better about than Brooklyn or Toronto. So, you know, independent of the circumstances, I, I've been saying for a couple of weeks, I didn't think they should try to game. I think they have a winning mentality. Uh, there was an amazing, amazing article by Jason Quick at The Athletic uh, on Ime Udoka and kind of how he's approached coaching this team and his relationship with uh, Malik Allen and Damon Stoudemire on the coaching staff and how it goes back to Portland um, and kind of gave insight into how he's helped cultivate this kind of toughness and, and mental toughness and winning mentality uh, across the roster and kind of re, I guess, resuscitated it. Um, you don't give that up and, and just kind of, you know, f- the Celtics have been far and away the best team in the NBA for the past three months by, by like all any advanced metric, they shouldn't be afraid of anybody. So I'm very happy that they, they played to win and uh, yeah, now of... have a chance at home court advantage, uh, at least into the second exactly. round of the playoffs, if not further. Yeah. I mean, that's a huge deal. Um, that's a way bigger deal than any worries that you have of what specific teams you're playing, in my opinion. Well, I mean, having that seventh game at home is super important in the in, in any round, right? Like, imagine if imagine if Miami loses, we have for uh, home court advantage in every single round of the playoffs, including the Eastern Conference Finals. Right, but but the East is so stacked that to get to the finals, you could have to play three different really good teams and have three really tough series, and I think that. Um, because of that, if you can limit the challenge that you have, how tired you are after each series, that's going to make a difference in the second or third round. If if you're playing against a team that had a light schedule, they played four or five games and you went seven tough games, and you're playing them in the second round, is that worth one home court game? I think it might be. So that was my concern. But, but again, we couldn't have played a, a, a much lighter team. Mike, were you surprised by my answer? Um, no, it was it was kind of on brand and hedging. <laughs> Ouch. And that yep. brand is pessimism. That brand is hedged pessimism. Yeah, <laughs> we'll get we'll we'll un we'll uncover that pessimism uh, in an upcoming segment here. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize this was the podcast where we were evaluating my my psyche and how I present. Um, that's every podcast yeah. <laughs> but 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 speaking of perspective pessimism on a scale of one to ten how worried would you guys be and adam you can go first here if the celtics do face the nets in round one ten uh, being terrified one being not worried at all when the celtics face the nets in round one i'm a seven and a half wow gosh i'm a three i was gonna say i'm a four why are you guys not afraid? What what gives you the impression that the Celtics are going to have such an easy time with them? I think I think it will be a there will be very competitive moments in the series. I, Kevin Durant is, I think, a top one and a half player in the NBA um, when when healthy. Kyrie Irving is an exceptionally gifted offensive player. And there's literally nothing else of concern on that team. Um, they can't play defense. Seth Curry has been dealing with injuries. Joe Harris isn't there. 
I, I mean, I just, there's like their best lineups feature a bunch of small guys and Kevin Durant or Kevin Durant and Andre Drummond and a bunch of small guys. They might try to reintegrate Ben Simmons on the fly, who will probably be useful defensively as someone as a body to throw at a Jalen or a Jason, but I'm not convinced he's going to like seamlessly fit into everything they do. So I think, I, I think while I acknowledge the top end talent is truly elite, I just, I'm not, I'm ultimately not worried because the Celtics have been that good. They've been so fricking dominant for three months that I don't think there's any reason for them to fear a team that's on the whole been middling. So I love this, the statistical metrics. They make the Celtics look like one of the best teams in a long time. And there's a part of me that I, I know every year I feel like we get through the regular season and everybody's so focused on the regular season and I have to remind myself that the playoffs are a completely different world and that veteran players play differently in the regular season than they do in the playoffs. On defense. On defense, you saying? Yeah. They ramp it up on D in the playoffs. You have a point there. I, yeah, and I would say it's not just defense. It's everything. Um but but you're helping me make my point about Brooklyn. So when people are like, they're a terrible defensive team, I think they're going to be better in the playoffs. I, I know that they will be. And, and Ben Simmons, you know, Ben Simmons hasn't played in a year. He's tough to integrate into an offense. He likes to have the ball in his hands. But on the fast break, he's a dominant player. And, um, and I think that he can play a role, especially if they put him in, in a position that a big would be playing on offense that can be helpful like from the dunker position on defense even if he doesn't have even if he's a net zero on offense and he could be lower than that because if if they're not integrating him well and he he's not shooting and, and you know he's not going to and you know he can't then he could be a negative on offense but his defense assuming that he's in good enough shape he's he was one of the best defensive players if not the best defensive player in the game last year and so that is going to make a difference um, I go ahead. I think I'm not denying that the Nets are a solid, strong team. I just still think you're selling short how good the Celtics have been. Like you're talking about all these good parts of the Nets, but the Celtics have trounced playoff level teams in the last three months. Like, not just beaten them, like, trounced them. I think, like, by an average margin of 15.5 points or something. Um, And that was before the Memphis game. Like, this was from, that number is from, like, a week or two ago. But they've they've continued to trounce teams even after Robert Williams has gone. Like, their lineup with Tice instead of Robert Williams with the rest of the starters has, like, a plus 33 net rating. Um, I just... The like the way we're talking about Kevin Durant, Jason Tatum is is getting to that level of respect from opposing fans. Jalen Brown, would you rather have Jalen Brown or Kyrie Irving right now? Well, that's a loaded question. I mean, Kyrie, like KD, I know he's gonna be good. Kyrie could play as poorly as he did for the Celtics in that playoff round and really like lay an egg, or Kyrie could be the, the guy that everybody thinks of him as is this dynamic offensive player. And I feel like we have no idea what Kyrie's going to do. I just, I mean, if you look at the top sevens for the different rosters, you have 
on the Nets. KD, Kyrie, uh, coming off of an injury, Curry, uh, coming off of an injury, Simmons, Andre Drummond, Patty Mills, Goran Dragic. And then for the Celtics, you have Tatum, Jalen, Horford, Tice, Derek White, Marcus Smart, Grant Williams. Keep going, keep going. Who Richard, else we got? Who else I mean, we got? I'm just saying, like, I, are you like? I just feel like the quality and fit of our roster is light years better than the Nets, even though the Nets have one of the best players in the world. It just, I don't, I. You can, you, you can, can be, you can be you can a truly elite player. You can compare rosters. You can talk about like all, you know, all the on-court stuff for the Nets. You can talk about Ben Simmons, which is total hypothetical and, and adding him versus, you know, so like, but all of that is missing the point in my opinion. The, the coach is telling us what they're focused on. They're focused on themselves. So the coach is, what they're saying is, we're not worried about what our little fears might be. We're not trying to like, you know, bypass some situation. We're not going to think about that outside stuff. We're going to focus on ourselves. What that does is avoid all these silly fears. You know, like as from a fan's perspective, I understand why a lot of fans are afraid of the Nets and afraid of the talent that they have. Um, I think that we're too together for the Nets. I think togetherness beats talent when talent is, you know, fails to play together. And I don't think that this Nets team really plays together all that well. And, but the, like, there's a lot of fear in our culture right now. There's a, like, you look, anytime you turn on the news, it's telling you what to be afraid of. The pandemic got us all afraid of everything. The, okay, the, okay. the war, the gas prices, like okay, there's a lot of reasons to be afraid of, of a lot of things. And the way to refocus that attention on, you know, something that's productive and positive is to look, you know, like at your situation. Um, and so that whole cliche that coach Udoka is saying of we're just focused on ourselves. It's not just a cliche. It's like the answer to this question, which in my opinion, this question shouldn't be how afraid are we, but how afraid are the Celtics of facing potentially the Nets? And I don't think the Celtics team is really afraid of the Nets at all. I think Tatum is actually like at a point where he's ready to take the throne, you know, from that guy. And I think this is a super, super confident group and they have an edge to them that they didn't have before. I actually think that they're like tested and ready for this. Um, so like to me, actually focusing on ourselves means like maintaining that consistency that the team has had, maintaining that edge and not, not actually being afraid of it at all. I hear everything you guys are saying until Josh went off on a, on a rant. I totally agree with the, with what you guys were saying before that. Um, and I, like the playoffs are different. The playoffs are a different world. Like Brooklyn's been a mess all year. And I think they're going to come together in a different way in the playoffs. The Celtics have been amazing in the second half of the season. And I think they're going to face some things in the playoffs that, that are going to challenge them. I think they're, they're oh. going to face some defenses that are not going to allow them to play this offensive system that they like so much. I think they're going to get to points where Tatum's going to have to make decisions about passing the ball or taking a shot, and he's going to make the wrong decision a couple of times. And he's going to be really challenged by that. I think that their defense is going to struggle with some some teams. Um, and, and that in a seven-game series, the type of defense the Celtics have been playing, um, I think some opposing coaches 
can scheme against it. And that's one of the reasons that I think that they made the right decision to avoid Nick Nurse. Um, well, Adam, this is a perfect segue and listeners into our next section, this uh, segment of the, of the podcast, because we're going to revisit some season predictions. And I want our listeners to pay attention to a trend that emerges as we go over this um, and, and think back to what we just talked about as we predict how this playoff round might go. Uh, so <laughs> to start with our, our season predictions, the first we did, we, to set the stage here, there were a couple of things we did. One, we all, we all kind of predicted where the Celtics would fall in the Eastern conference. Josh, Adam, would you guys like to share where you predicted? I said they were going to be sixth. Yeah, me too. And, and I predicted fourth. So none of us were right there. Uh, they, they exceeded all of our expectations. I believe I predicted they'd go 48 and 34. Do you guys recall your record prediction? I don't. No. Do you have that? I don't have it. I don't have it. I, I, I assume just, you know, it was like 44 or 45 wins, somewhere in that range based on where you predicted they'd fall in the conference. So we were our, our collective expectations were exceeded. So we also did set some over-unders. And I actually just kind of, I, I had come up with these based on looking at the numbers for, our, for some of our key roster players um, from recent seasons and pre- trying to predict out, you know, their likely improvement. So the first over-under was Jason Tatum will average over-under 27.5 points per game. All three of us predicted the over we were wrong. It was under 26.9 points per game. But that's but it was close, half, man. That's, I know. He, only, he, he got close. He got close. Had Schroeder. <laughs> the adversity, the adversity, uh, you know, help, help, help make him better and uh, made the team stronger. Second over under Jalen Brown will average over or under 25.5 points per game. Jalen Brown actually averaged under 23.6 points per game. Victory goes to me on that one. Adam and Josh, you both predicted the over. I, I called under there. Ugh. We and, lost. And he was he scored more more points the year before, right? He went down. Uh he went down. Uh yeah, yeah he had 24.7 points per game last season. That's correct. And twenty three. Tatum went went up ever so slightly at twenty six point four last season and twenty six point nine this season. Um okay, so the next one, you know, we all came into the season concerned, uh, and maybe hopeful, different levels of hopeful about the the Celtics potential to kind of become reemerge as a ball moving team. It seems like a distant past now all of a sudden, but you know, we had a full season worth of stagnated ball movement and then another half season this year. So, and Mike, it was, the, it was year three of Tatum and Brown being kind of groomed as lead facilitators. Exactly. By, by Brad and now Ime. Yeah. So the over under that I had set, uh, maybe a bit pie in the sky, Jason and Jalen will combine to average over under 9.5 assists per game. Uh, they were definitely under on that. 
Uh, Jason Tatum with 4.4, Jalen Brown with 3.5 assists per game, so a total of 7.9 for the two. Uh, I lost that one. I I picked over out of hope. (laughs) Uh, Josh and Adam let reason dictate. Uh, You guys got both picked under. But there was, just as a nice little silver lining, since the All-Star break, they almost uh, pushed there. They averaged 9.2 combined. Tatum at 5.1 and, and Brown at 4.1 assists per game since the All-Star break. That's pretty impressive. Mike, I, that is impressive. I'm, I know it's a little early, but Mike, do you think that 9.5 assists per game by the two of them is attainable next season? Like, would you bet the over on that? Let's revisit after the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, my heart says yes. <laughs> my brain's not quite there yet. Um, Okay, next one. This is where it gets really fun. Okay, so, and if for those keeping score at home, basically, across three so far, we all have one correct. <laughs> all right, next one. Robert Williams will average over under 19.5 minutes per game, playing over 60 games. This was in the wake of Robert Williams' extension and one of the podcasters in the Celtics Pride crew not being too thrilled with that extension. Um, His name starts I, with an A, right? I was happy with the extension. I just think that they, they may have... Were you? I, I had said that they... I thought it might was, it was an over. This is, where, this is where if we had a higher and value wrong, production, said, we, would, we would play the clip yeah. <laughs> right here. We didn't insert it, but that's not happening. Um, so Robert Williams was over. He played 61 games, so just beat that cutoff. And crushed the minutes per game uh 10.1 minutes per game over at 29.6 minutes per game so not only was adam incorrect by taking the under uh josh and i were both correct taking the over adam and josh also bet on this so adam has the extra insult of losing the bet to his twin brother yeah this was this really was like a fear-based bet on adam's part you know being being skeptical and pessimistic and afraid of robert williams health led Adam's brain to make this bet, which, uh, you know, in, in hindsight, Adam, I think you'd probably agree was a, the wrong idea. And I think I'm this sorry. is a perfect example of how fear no. can lead no. us astray. Nope, nope. This is not a fear-based bet. This is based on Robert Williams' <laughs> track record of being unhealthy and not playing enough minutes. He didn't play enough games, he didn't play enough minutes. He doth protest too much. Um... And I did apologize. If you're a listener, you know I apologize. I said I was wrong. I said sorry to Rob. And I can't be happier that I uh, I lost that that I lost this bet. I'm very I, I'd rather have Rob Williams play like he has been and lose this bet. And so, um, Adam, we had... would you like to would you like to bet who's going to win the uh, Celtics versus either Brooklyn Nets or Cavaliers series right now? Do you, obviously, this yeah, is I a think, worrisome thing. I think thing the Celtics are definitely winning both. Oh, okay. You think I think the Celtics are going to lose against Brooklyn? I'm just I'm questioning how much your fear is relating to your betting habits in this can, case. Can I not have a high degree of fear and still think the Celtics are going to win? <laughs> I don't Unclear. know. It seems like how you've been all year. <laughs> all right. We have one last over-under. Robert Williams will average over-under 2.1 blocks per game. Um, he hit the over at 2.2 blocks per game. Uh, I think he was second in the NBA in blocks per game. Um, 
just an unbelievable year from Robert Williams. Josh and I both bred the over. Adam riding on the coattails of his wrong bet about <laughs> how many games <laughs> and how many minutes Robert Williams would play. <laughs> bet the under. So the total tally for those keeping score at home, that was Mike and Josh getting three of these correct and Adam only one. So take that to heart as you think about the relative and appropriate level of fear we should have about a net series. Yeah, not just I rest fear. my case, Your Honor. Not just fear, and... but when I say things on this podcast, just know that I'm more likely to be wrong than the, the two of you. <laughs> yeah, I think keeping these tallies is really important for the listeners. Then it allows them to know which, you know, whose opinions to actually listen to more than others. Well, should we move on to the bets then and <laughs> include that data? We should. We should. Definitely move on to the best now. <laughs> so we, we mentioned the Rob Williams one. I lost that one. Um, I'm just looking here for... Do we have stakes on that? No, because Josh... I don't usually bet with stakes. on anything. Yeah. yeah you, that's yeah. what I thought. So just like, checking. The other bet we made about this year um, was that Kobe White will be a top five in the sixth man of the year award in 2021. Hate to be said, on the wrong side of that bet. <laughs> and, you know, Josh said, I think Kobe White is going to be top five in the sixth man. And immediately I said, can we bet on that? So I said, <laughs> no, Josh said yes. And Josh refused to put stakes on this also. But um, good call. Josh, do we, can we call it now with, before the sixth man of the year rankings come out? Or do we, do you need to wait for that? Um, I think it's completely clear that Kobe White's not going to win sixth man of the year. I think it's like, I would be 75% confident that he's not going to be in the top five too. I'm okay if you call it. Okay. So I got that one. Next, But we, but as yeah. long as you revisit it, if you're going to call it yeah. early, you better revisit it when the, sure. the rankings come out. Happy to. Okay. Uh, next we have that um, Carson Edwards will shoot 38% from three in 15 minutes per game in a season. With any team. And this is for his whole career, right? Yeah, yeah. This is a long-standing... Yep. <laughs> yeah, this goes back to December of 2019. <laughs> so Mike said he would not do that. Josh said he would. <laughs> we never said the game the game minimum, which we agreed had to happen. Yeah. And but I, and I, and I, decided, I still stand by the bet. <laughs> I decided, without discussing with any of you, that I would arbitrate if no end date was determined. We can't just let this go on in, in perpetuity. And Carson's forty-five years old. Honestly, I'm not worried. I'm not worried about it. I'm not worried about it. <laughs> if he's thirty-eight, you can cut it. I don't mind at an age. Put an age limit to it or something like that. But I, look, I, I mean, he was just signed by Detroit. I thought yeah. this deal. I thought this bet was was dead, got, and it's not. It's, I'm alive. I mean, alive. he he has a non-guaranteed contract for next year. Let's let's see if he's still on an NBA roster at the start of next year. <laughs> I'm Josh, sorry, Carson. I'm Josh? sure I'm sure you're a really good guy, but the NBA game has eluded you so far. All right, let's go to this next one. Aaron Neesmith will have a season in his rookie contract, so his first four years. So he's in ending year two, uh, correct? Fifteen correct. minutes per game, thirty-eight percent from three, minimum forty games, and it has to be with the Celtics. So if he lo- leaves the Celtics, then this bet is a wash, Josh. Wins if if he hits 15 minutes per game with 38% from three and 40 games. Mike says no. I think this is a great bet. I, I don't know. I could yeah. see it going either way. Agreed. And then we have a bet for next year that I might as well mention now, that Grant Williams will be top 10 in the league in charges drawn next year. Josh says yes. I say no. <laughs> I just I, love the stake <laughs> for this one. And like, listen, the loser like most has to of take a charge bets. from the other. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Most of these bets are, are are like ridiculous things that I've said on the podcast, or ridiculous things that in, that like, I've said time seemed, <laughs> that seemed ridiculous at the time. Um, and I think I'm doing pretty well overall in, in, in most, most of our bets. I don't know if you want to go back and look at the data, but I think I'm ahead in most of the uh, bets. So uh, not only I don't know, I, I don't know if you want to us to go back and look things. at the data, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, please. I think, no, think there's some selective that. memory. <laughs> I don't think either of you want us to go back and look at the data. Should we talk about how Mike thought Tristan Thompson was going to become a prolific three? Yeah, that, that was that was uh, that was all of my Tristan Thompson takes were my worst takes. <laughs> Is that all? Is that all of our bets? Yeah, we don't need <laughs> to talk about it anymore. Um, so let's get to this question, Mike, that that you asked, right? So pose this question you put on Twitter because I think it's really interesting. Yeah, so I put on Twitter as, as a poll um, a few days ago. Who has had the better season? You know, which member of the Celtics organization has had the better season? Brad Stevens, Ime Udoka. Or Jason Tatum, and I leave open the floor to you guys. I'm I'm in the Ime Odoka camp. I think all three have had a good season. I oh think it's my uh, God. yeah. I know. I think that in order for us to be where we're at, all three of them needed to have a good season. And I think it's really like maybe I think it's a tie. Like it's really close. They yeah. all did amazingly well. I, I think. They I all think had all an three of us have done a really first. nice job in over-unders and bets. I, there's no reason to revisit any of it. I mean, what gets you off about this question? What, like, what, Why are you excited about it's this? It's because they've all had a really interesting and positive season. I mean, Tatum, he, I would say he played poorly for him in the beginning of the year, and he's come on strong. He's been an MVP candidate. Like, I, like If he had played the way he did in the second half, you guys think he'd be MVP this year? He'd be in that conversation with. You mean in the first half of the season, if he had played? If he yeah. had played the first half the way he did in the second half. Yeah. Would yeah, he be I mean, I think I th- and Jokic and, and Giannis. Yeah, and, and uh, if quite, was, quite possibly. And if Ime Odoka was getting the results in the second half from his players that he got in the first half, he'd be in the coach of the year conversation. Yep. And Brad has has done surprisingly well. I mean, his, his I moves mean, have turned out really nicely. Yeah, I think from a consistency perspective, Brad, well, probably Brad and Ime both have been pretty stellar. Again, I'll, I'll plug that Jason Quick article again on Ime because it really highlights how he approached the beginning of the season and how, you know, how he was making sure to build relationships with players and, and time when he laid into them, you know, before. To, to make sure it actually would be well received and effective. Um, and it, so it really gives insight into like just how thoughtful he was as a coach, even when, you know, he, people were not buying into what he wanted them to be doing. Um, so even though the results weren't happening, like in the win loss column, uh, there was, there was a method to the madness, which I think everyone clearly sees. Um, but really, I mean, so there were 170 some odd responses to this this poll. 43% said Tatum, 33% said Ime, 24% said Brad. Um, the, the fourth option that I really wanted to include, but character limits prevented was it doesn't matter because they're all on the Celtics and let's just celebrate them. 
Um, and that's ultimately really how I feel. I just I just thought it was kind of an interesting question because they all have had really, really good years. Um, and, you know, they're obviously different parts of the organization. Um, and I agree with Josh. Like, we just, we needed all of them to kind of hit in order to have the success we've had. And they've all hit. So it's been pretty cool. Let's just yeah, I would have been I would have been all over. The team wins the title. Is it more impressive to have a first year time coach winning a title or a first time GM? I think it's a weird question from the GM perspective because the GM was the coach. So in a, in essence kind of like built up all the skill sets, developed the players um and kind of has more of a hand in that roster than just boom, you get the job, here's your roster, what are you going to do with it? You know, he was in on a lot of the roster meeting, roster construction meetings, whether, you know, his his opinion was valued as much as it should have been or not. There's also a kind of weird embedded piece where it's like, how much credit does Brad get for picking the right guy versus, I mean, Ime gets the credit, right, for being the right guy, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> um, but... At the end of the day, I think, you know, it, it would be Ime. He's the one that's down on the court. He's the one that's going to be making the the calls in, in the, the crunch time moments uh, from the sideline. Um, you know, keep trying to maintain kind of a, a attitude and mental toughness and a, um, a calm all at once uh, to, to help the players kind of flourish and strive in those in those really high leverage moments. So I would give it to Ime in that situation, even though I think, I mean, I think I gave Brad like an A for his offseason and an A plus for his trade. So I've been as big a fan as anybody of Brad's moves as a GM so far. I mean, when you look at Brad's moves, though, like right away, obviously Dennis Schroeder and Josh Richardson turned into good things. Right. Well, the, but, but the that, Horford, the Horford trade. Okay, I'm talking about Richardson and Schroeder. Like Schroeder specifically was not good for our team. Like picking him up, obviously there was value in that offseason decision, the free agency signing, but he wasn't good for our team. Like it, it would it have been better if he hadn't been on our team at all? Like would we be where we're at now? You know, like. I don't know. You don't get Tyson the deal, right? So he turned into this other asset that's now really valuable. So, but was that Brad's plan all along? He knew that Shooter wasn't going to be a good fit, but that he could then move him later. I, it could be argued that getting Shooter in the first place was kind of harmful and toxic for our team and therefore not the best move. So I, I actually, I would argue that. And I would say that Brad therefore had kind of a, another learning curve similar to Ime and, and Tatum. You know, Ime was calling guys out and we didn't know how that was going to go in the beginning of the season. You know, looking back on it now, it was crucial that he did that. Um, and I think one of his best qualities is that he does that with the media too. He tells it like he sees it and he's not he's not going to dance around questions. He's going to be open and honest. Um, so I would have been all over that it doesn't matter button on Twitter. Let's predict uh... the playoffs. Yes. Okay. You, so here's what we're going to do for this. We just want to get quick reactions. Who's going to win in these games or these series? And we'll see. And I want you guys to track yourself who you are saying so that we can uh, uh, follow up on this later as well. Um, so let's. I'll ask the question and we'll do Mike first, then Josh, then I'll give my answer and we'll kind of go from there. Um, 
So let's start in the Eastern Conference. So Atlanta and Charlotte are playing in Atlanta for the number for the right to to put it, play in uh, the number eight seed against Miami. Atlanta, Charlotte, Mike, who wins that game? Atlanta. Josh. Charlotte. And I'm going to go with Atlanta. Brooklyn and Cleveland play in Brooklyn. Mike. Brooklyn. 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 Okay. And then we have uh, Cleveland playing whoever you thought was going to win in the 9-10 game. Who do you think is going to win that? Atlanta. Charlotte. I'm going to go Atlanta also. So we have Atlanta in the in the eighth poor seed. Cleveland. <laughs> uh, poor Cleveland. We have Atlanta in the eighth seed playing Miami. Or uh, Charlotte. Josh has Char- Charlotte yeah. in the eighth seed. Yep. Playing Miami, Mike. Uh, let's say uh, who wins in how many games? Miami in five against Atlanta. Miami in yeah five. Miami in four. Miami in five. Then All we right. have. If you're just gonna copy me, Adam, then I'm I can just do it for both of us. <laughs> I'm gonna hedge everything. You know that. Um, okay, so then we have the Celtics against Brooklyn. Celtics in five. Boston in five. Celtics in six. Um, then we have. Wait, Adam. Wait, wait, wait. Brooklyn's so scary, but they can't take this first round series to seven games. I think they could. Okay, continue. continue. I think they could. But I don't think Kyrie's going <laughs> to do enough. Uh, and it's six. I think that it'll be a tough six games. Um, okay, so next is the number three seed, Milwaukee, against the number six seed, uh, Chicago. Mike? Milwaukee in four. <laughs> I've got Milwaukee in five. I got Milwaukee in four. Josh, is that because you are madly in love with DeRo- DeMar DeRozan? And Kobe White. And Kobe White. <laughs> <laughs> uh, should I give you my Chicago Bulls deep dive right now? No, I don't think no, you want that. You no, we don't want the deep line? dive. <laughs> That's what I thought. All right. Next, we have the Philly-Toronto series. Don't forget, uh, Matisse Tybel cannot play in the two in, in the games in Toronto. So that's games, I believe it's three and four. And then again in game six, if they have to go back there. Mike. Toronto in six. Whoa. Hey, I got Toronto in six. Whoa. No way. Philadelphia in six. Wow. I feel like we need to talk about that. Oh, I want so badly. I, I, and yet I made the rules and we can't. Okay, moving on. All, I, all I'm going to say is anytime you can hitch your wagon to notorious playoff chokers, you you know, like Harden and Doc Rivers, you've got to. <laughs> <laughs> but Doc chokes later on in the playoffs, no? We'll all see. Right. They, both, so, they both choke like toddlers. So, <laughs> that was dark. <laughs> I don't quite know what that means. Um, anyway. Uh, when you got a kid, you got you got to watch out for all the chokeables around the house. And when you've got a toddler, it's, it's like really important. Okay, Babies, so it's a preventative like, thing. You're like, look, yeah, what's like, Doc near? What's he getting into? Exactly. exactly like everything yeah. that's potentially jokeable. I was like, are you sticking your finger in, like, and hooking things out of his throat? Is that what's happening? All right. So Miami is playing um, Toronto for you guys. Who wins? Miami. Miami in... Uh, I'll go with Miami in 
seven. Josh? Yeah, I've got Miami in six. Wow, you guys love Toronto. Okay. I've, so I've got Miami playing Philly then, and I will say, oh, my God, I want to say Philly so badly. I'm going to say Philly in seven. All right. Uh, James Harden is going to make me look so bad. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Milwaukee then plays Boston at Boston. I love the sound of that. Mike. I'm going to go Boston in seven. Yeah, that's what I got. Boston in seven. Okay. So this is where I would want to hedge and say Milwaukee in seven. And then if they Milwaukee wins, I'm right. And then if Boston wins, I'm happy. I'm going to go Boston in seven. Ah. <sighs> I'm going optimism, Mike. You know, you're you're. The, look what we look what we did. We holding the this mirror is a breakthrough. I see myself. The breakthrough. <laughs> all right, then we all have Boston playing. You guys have Boston playing Miami in Miami. So Miami gets home court. Who wins? Oh, I hate this matchup so much. <laughs> I hate it. Uh, I hate to do this, but I'm gonna go Miami in seven because Kyle Lowry is. Uh, absolute gamer and I think he's going to play 12 levels beyond what he's played in the regular season Gosh. I've got Boston over Miami in 6 6 games and I've got Boston over Philadelphia in yeah, might as well take yeah, no, in 6 games um, and I kind of guys choosing Philadelphia now <laughs> um, all right so Mike has Miami moving on to the finals, and Josh and I have Boston. Let's go to the Western Conference. We have San Antonio sneaking into the playoffs over the Los Angeles Lakers. Mike, do you want a soapbox? Playing the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, Mike. Um, soapbox. I just want just to you know, how, enjoy how yeah. terrible L.A. is. Yeah, yeah sure. Is. They're awful. Uh, and... I will take the Pelicans. They've been playing really well. Nice. I like that call. I've got the Spurs over the Pelicans. I think coaching wins out in the playoffs. I will take the Spurs as well. You have the Clippers playing. How dare you guys disrespect Herb Jones and the the fighting Pels. Uh, He is the face of the franchise, isn't he? (laughs) Let me reiterate. I don't know what I'm talking about. Minnesota against the Clippers at Minnesota. Clippers. Uh, I got to go with the Clippers because I assume, well, they got Paul George, and who knows if Kawhi's coming back. Yeah, we you don't know, know Kawhi's coming back. You know he's going. I don't know. I don't know if he's going to be back for the playing game. I don't know if he's going to be back for the playing game. I expect he'll be back for the first round. I'm going to choose Minnesota. They're, they've been hot. Adam, you should listen to uh, the the uh, JJ Redick. What's his podcast called? Old Man and the Three. Old Man and the Three. Uh, The the episode with Pat Beverly from like March 11th or 12th. Um, I I like what Pat Beverly is talking about when, when, as the culture setter of the Minnesota Timberwolves with their turnaround. Pat Beverly, who says he's never missed the playoffs in his career. Uh, So here he is thinking he'll be back in winning this this, uh, play-in tournament game. All right. So... um... Mike, you have who in this next round? The Clippers against the Pelicans. Um, no, I have the Clippers winning. So I have Minnesota against the Pelicans. 
And this is sad for me, but I'm actually going to pick the Pelicans. I kind of don't trust Cat in a big playoff game yet. You don't have to. Just trust Edwards. I trust... I don't know. I just feel like they're going to kind of drop the bag. Are the Pelicans playing that well? The Pelicans have been playing really well since getting CJ. Yeah. And Ingram's been playing really well. Um, Ingram and Herb Jones, serious, and also and Alvarado. Jose. They, apparent, apparently, there are t-shirts called "There are t-shirts Grand Theft Alvarado," <laughs> <laughs> which is pretty amazing. I don't, I don't know who Alvarado is. <laughs> Adam Jose yeah. Alvarado is this really little quick point guard for the Pelicans. He's their backup, and oh, he just always guy, makes okay. an impact. Yeah, he'll like hide. He'll like hide in the like off the sideline when the other team's impounding the ball and like sneak up behind the ball handler and steal the ball. He's, he's like, done that like two different times. It's really like funny. Who I want uh, the the little guy on the Nuggets to be? Uh, Campazzo. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Josh, who's your matchup there? I've got Minnesota losing that first play-in game and therefore playing the Spurs and beating them. Okay, and I've got the Clippers beating San Antonio. So then we have uh, Mike. I, I don't know who's who your eight seed is playing Phoenix. Who loses to Phoenix, Mike? Um, the Pelicans will lose to Phoenix. In how many? In four. Josh. Phoenix in four. And I've got Phoenix in four over. I don't even over the Clippers. Um, and then we have um. Mike, who did you have for seven? Um, who did I have for seven playing Memphis? I had the Clippers. And yikes, I think that will be Memphis in seven. Josh? I've got Memphis in six. Memphis in five for me over, I think it was Minnesota. Um. Okay, so now we get to Golden State playing number six, Denver. That's a really interesting series, Mike. That's fun. Uh, we don't know if Steph is going to be back still yeah. for that series. Jeez. Um, I'm going to pick Golden State in seven because I think he'll be back in time to save the series. We've got Warriors over Denver in six. I'm going to say seven. Also Golden State. Golden State in seven, yeah. Okay. Dallas against Utah. And for the same reasons you, you said, Mike. Dallas number four against Utah, Mike. So, again, we have Luca has a calf strain. We don't know how serious it is. If he's not playing, it's a totally different series. So uh, I'm going to hedge-ish, I guess, and just say Dallas in seven. I think they're definitely the better team. And I would pick them in like five if I knew Luca was healthy. And I'm just going to base that on Luca maybe missing one or two games. Uh, I've got Utah over Dallas in six. I kind of oh, don't wow. forget about this prediction, but that's the one I got. That's what I was going to say as well. Okay. Okay, so then we have, uh, Mike, you have Dallas playing Phoenix. Yeah, that's going to be Phoenix in six. And Josh, you have Utah playing Phoenix. Yeah, I've got Phoenix over Utah in five. I'm going to say Phoenix over Utah in four. Phoenix 
over Utah in four. Mike, okay. you have Memphis playing Phoenix. Oh yeah. Oh no. No. Golden State. No. Oh man, that's gonna. That, I hope that happens. That would be such a great series. Yeah. Um, Memphis, Golden State. Uh, I'm gonna go Memphis in. I'm gonna give them. Uh, I'll go six. Memphis and six. No, Memphis and seven. Memphis. A lot on that young team. I've got Golden State over Memphis in six. I've got Golden State over Memphis in five. Go ahead, Josh. Yeah, I just don't think this Memphis team, as good as they are and fun to watch as they are, are going to go super deep in the playoffs their first time. You know, it's very, it's very, very possible. But you know, they're they're like young and brash enough that I wouldn't put anything past them. All right. Yeah. So, Mike, you've got Phoenix and Memphis in in the east, the western. I do, line. and I'm I'm just going with seeds here. I'm taking Phoenix, Phoenix, and and I don't. I think it'll be Phoenix and five. I think it'll be pretty a gentleman sweep. Josh, Phoenix against Golden State. In seven, Phoenix over Golden State. Wow, uh, that would be an epic series. Yeah. I'm going to say Phoenix in six, but I love that series. I think Golden State is definitely the best contender, assuming they're healthy enough. Okay, so we all have Phoenix. Well, Josh and I have Phoenix playing Boston, and Mike has Phoenix playing Miami. So, Mike, finals. Uh, Phoenix in five over Miami. And I'm like – How many games? Five, I said. I'm excited. I want to like have a drum roll here, Josh. Do the Celtics beat Phoenix? No. Phoenix over Boston in seven in a heartbreaking loss. Phoenix over Boston in six. Whew. Chris Paul all... finally gets a ring. Yeah. So the question is, which will any of us have more than 20% of these guesses correct? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I just want to preface uh, all of this by saying that I picked Gonzaga to win the national championship uh, <laughs> in March Madness the last two years in a row, so wrong on both counts. And I picked that one player would throw up onto the court. So I was right. <laughs> well, that was fun. I hope to be wrong in that you guys are marginally closer to right than me, because that maybe means that uh, Boston makes the finals, and then I hope we're all wrong about the finals. Look at you, learning from me. Mm, let's not get carried away. <laughs> all right, well, um, we're, we're curious what you think about this, so tweet at Celtics Pride Pod. Let us know what you think of what we said. Let us know what you think of um, is going to happen in the playoffs. Uh, you could tweet at directly at Mike Minkoff, NBA, or at Coach Motenko for Josh. You can't tweet at me because I don't want it. I'm not on Twitter. This has been the Celtics Pride Podcast on Celtics Blog. Thanks for listening. <laughs>